The Gaily Prophet operates under the assumption that you have read the books. If you haven't read the books, go and read them. They're wonderful. And then come back to us. Otherwise, you're going to be spoiled. And that's your choice in this world. Gay people love puns. I'm dead. <laughs> we have to stop this podcast. Oh, this book causes Satanism. What is left for us to rant about? There is nothing straight about plum velvet. <laughs> you shouldn't have been drinking when I said that. <laughs> Monocles are impractical, but hot. I don't for a second believe that she is a straight person. I mean, I'm definitely here for bisexual Minerva McGonagall. Let's talk about Harry Potter. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to The Gaily Prophet, a humorous yet ruthless podcast where two queer IRL witches reread Harry Potter and talk about it. I am America's favorite Griffin dandy, Lark Malachi Gray. And I am Griffin Dyke extraordinaire, Jesse Blount. And today we are talking about Chapter 12, The Patronus, in which Harry is still mad that Hermione cares about him possibly dying on a cursed broom because sports. He, a 13-year-old witch, clearly knows better. <laughs> Ron and Oliver Wood are of the same mind because misogyny and sports fanaticism. Hermione needs better friends, a hug, and not to have a banana's workload. Harry starts evening classes with Lupin to learn how to cast the Patronus charm, the magical embodiment of serotonin and a personalized symbol of your inner self. This shit is hella hard, though, and Harry's making slow progress. But finds out that Lupin knew his dad and Sirius from their school days. <clears throat> McGonagall, satisfied, her star player... <laughs> he knew them in the biblical sense. <laughs> I, was, I actually was trying to figure out how to work in knew them in the biblical sense somehow into this. <laughs> I'm here to interrupt you and interject <laughs> the jokes that you need. Uh... Can please continue? <laughs> <clears throat> McGonagall, satisfied that her star player won't die on a mystery broom, returns his firebolt in time for the next game. Harry does the bare minimum to make up to Hermione, only for Ron to discover no scabbers, a bloodstain, and some long ginger hairs in his bed. Dun dun dun. And in a very uh, on on topic vein, we start this newspaper off with today's headlines. Selfish teens ostracize friend for caring about them. Show no remorse. <sighs> Fuck those guys. I have a whole... My whole editorial is just... I, mean, I have My first thing in editorial is just about just everyone's treatment of Hermione in this chapter. Uh-huh. Yep. Uh, it's a long bulleted list, because just fuck that. Anyway... Yeah. First, we turn to the front page where we talk about all the things that don't belong in other sections of this newspaper. Jesse, what's first? Okay, but seriously, lol. How did Sirius <laughs> buy this broom? Like, did he just mail order it to like field where I am crashing as a dog? Like, <laughs> we learn that Crookshanks takes a letter to the post office, I believe, that. Or like a, the, yes, the mail order form to the post office. And then he orders it under Harry's name, but has the money taken out of his vault. This is maybe the biggest <laughs> correction of this entire book, because that doesn't make any sense. Okay, wait. 
I think it might make sense in the fact that I honestly don't think the goblins give any kind of fuck about if there are criminal witches coming into the bank to get money out of their vault. Like, I think they, I think they just don't give two shits about what's going on in the witching world. But what regard. about the broom, the broom proprietor who is the one, like, sending the bill to Gringotts to have the money for a broom for Harry Potter removed from Sirius Black's vault? That is true. I guess maybe he just was, like, vault number whatever, but, like, if anyone can just send a mail order via cat... <laughs> being like take it out of vault number whatever these people should just be like buying shit with other people's money left and right so i felt like the goblins must have something like it must be like send the invoice to gringotts and then the gringotts goblins are like okay where does money come from and sirius is like from my vault and because the goblins don't care that he's like literally wanted for murder they're like yeah sure dude but sirius wasn't there that's true Maybe they have some sort of, like, truth-revealing spell that they can do on, like, the paper or something. Maybe this Cookshanks are rocked in and they're like, this seems legit. We'll just take money out because this cat told us to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think Cookshanks just takes it to the post office in Hogsmeade. Because otherwise, I guess Sirius could, like, send Cookshanks to Diagon Alley. Maybe. I don't know. It's bizarre. He doesn't have a wand. But also that brings the point of like, say you're working at the Hogsmeade's post office and then someone's random cat comes in with a letter in its mouth and you're just like, or is this just like run of the mill because you work in a magical village? I don't know. <laughs> I Probably that. I mean, didn't in like the 50s and 60s people used to send like literal five-year-olds to the store to like with like a note of what to bring home for their parents so i feel like this is sort of the witch equivalent of that well then all i gotta say is that my cat winnie is slacking because if i can send her to the post office to get my shit yes Oh, that'd be so cute i know because she's so (laughs) fluffy she'd be so cute yeah, I should really get, I, I w- should get my dogs to do it, because they could, like, pull a wagon, you know? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> It'd be so great. Be like, go buy your own dog food, that shit's heavy. I do not, well, I don't You just, carry it you just have, like a, like, a note pinned to, like, Jezebel's collar that's just like, please put 40-pound bag of dog food in this wagon. <laughs> Charge my account, K-Thanks. Yeah. We couldn't send her, because she's, like a real jerk and like barks at people in the pet store if they're not paying enough attention to her (laughs) so we can't take her there we take rufio though because he just like is like sees people and he wants them to pet him and he just sits so pretty and still and looks so excited (laughs) and then they just melt and have to pet him and it works really well so he could totally take care of that for us oh my god he'd probably eat all the food on the way home yeah no self-control when (laughs) it comes to that anyway Uh, you know, we'll probably, I, I'm pretty sure that I'm remembering correctly, but when this actually, like, the reveal happens, we can readdress it if we need to. Yeah. Okay, so, when Harry is learning the Patronus charm, he, sorry, my brain is everywhere. Just remember that time that Neville says that his grand thinks that charms is the soft option as compared to transfiguration. Mm-hmm. 
I'm just re- like the Patronus charm is a charm. This is like one of the most like useful important spells because it not only protects you from dementors but also is a witch cell phone and that's a charm like if that's not evidence that charms is like really fucking important i don't know what is <clears throat> fuck you neville's grand backtracking when <laughs> sorry were you gonna say something no i mean this is gonna sound really weird maybe it's internalized misogyny because you i feel like you think of like charm you're just like very like charming maybe you're like you're making things float and things like you know move around or like what i don't know maybe it's not quite a totally filled out thought that i have i can totally see what you're saying i mean i like that mcgonagall is like your grandma failed her charms owls it just is i mean i totally see what you're saying and also it's like transfiguration is not super useful whereas charm seems to be the only like spell learning class that they have at hogwarts like all spells are either like charms jinxes hexes yeah i don't i don't know if we ever see harry even use transfiguration at all outside of class no i don't think so no and while we're still off topic and are talking about transfiguration a very smart and wonderful listener wrote us an email you know we've like had a lot of discussions about what a transfigured object is it sentient is it not this listener pointed out that horace slughorn transfigures himself into a chair in book six Mm -hmm. and is very clearly still sentient as a chair oh fuck you're right so transfigured raccoons hedgehogs that have been transfigured into pin cushions they're conscious they are still aware of themselves as raccoons and hedgehogs and whatever after being transfigured into this is very horrifying to me i am very upset (laughs) Also, another reason why they shouldn't fucking be using live animals. Yep. What the fuck? It's so terrible. That is so unethical. I mean, are there ethics in the witching world? They are not. No, I have a whole meme about it. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah, no, it just, you know, it's sort of like, this is sort of where we've leaned is that it's the case that they're still uh, self-aware but having it actually confirmed that they're definitely still alive is worse i do not like this at all nope but thank you listener who sent that in because at the very least now we can stop wondering and just start putting it in the politics section (laughs) uh Y'all can't see this, but I am making the, like, deep frowny face emoji in real life because it is very upsetting to me. Yeah, Jesse is seconds away from becoming the steam snorting out the nostrils emoji. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anyways. So... <laughs> uh, Harry, learning the Patronus charm. First thought when he thinks of the Patronus charm is of basically incorporeal Hagrid protecting him. Thought that actually works to produce a Patronus charm is, again, actual Hagrid telling him that he's a wizard. Hagrid is Harry's mom. Moral of the story. Oh, yeah, totes. It's like, 
I yeah, big Empress energy is what that is. Uh, for sure. Yep. Uh, also, Hagrid's Patronus is clearly a dragon. I refuse to believe anything otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. No. I'm really just like imagining her like interacting with her Patronus right now, and it's so like, very pure sweet and tender. Okay, so I'm pretty sure it was your turn. All right. Um, I think I think maybe we were talking about Hagrid before. We were. Um, I just want to say that Hagrid's beginning of term class is super adorable. Yeah, and it just sounds so lovely. I'm like, oh, I want to be in that class. Yeah, it made me so happy that they were enjoying one of her classes. Mm-hmm. Fire salamanders are weird, but, you know, great. Yeah, I don't know why salamanders are associated with fire, but... Yeah, because they definitely live in wet places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Maybe because they're colorful? I don't know. Huh. We, we will not look that up because... Yeah. <laughs> clicking, but... It's not worth our time. <laughs> it's a thing. Um, okay. So, Oliver Wood is serving as our comic relief in this hellscape of a chapter. Quote, unquote. <laughs> I think I think he does a good job as far as one can do a good job of providing comic relief in this hellscape of a chapter. Fair. I, I enjoy what he's serving here. I don't know. You seem <laughs> like you maybe don't. I feel like his his sports fanaticism is really intense in this chapter so yeah i i guess my overall impression of that was that it was so that we could have these little moments of levity where he's like i don't understand why mcgonagall's so mad just because (laughs) i told her i didn't care if you died as long as you caught the snitch (laughs) which yes (laughs) because i just feel like i needed that and in that moment when he provided it i was like thank you oliver (laughs) For giving me this like small moment, especially Frame, it's like I don't right. I don't know why McGonagall thought that was terrible of me, and I'm like, my dude, right? Because he's not saying it directly to Harry, which would hurt Harry's feelings, and like, yeah, yeah the way that it's framed, I guess I just was like, Ugh, I really appreciate you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Oliver Wood's single-minded intensity about Quidditch often is very funny. I also really appreciated his like very appropriately rational like Sirius Black is a fugitive on the run how could he fucking buy you a broomstick which should be absolutely true is not but should be (laughs) yeah no I actually really appreciated the sound reasoning of that because it's like yeah that makes no sense I mean of course it did happen but it does it doesn't make any sense no yeah. And I mean, in, in general, the right moves were made to make sure to just to check it because everyone's under the impression that Sirius is a, like, terrible murderer. But if if Sirius was going to murder Harry, he wouldn't have dropped what I assume is possibly a fuck ton of gold. So much gold. <laughs> like, it might literally be a ton. I don't know. I looked up how much... Bugatti cars are, which is sort of like what I'm assuming the Firebolt is like, and they're like several million dollars. Are broomsticks as expensive as a car? 
I don't know. I don't know either. I feel like the status symbol of it is sort of, I don't know. Yeah. Sirius probably has a ton of money, though, right? Oh, yeah. No, I I think we can safely assume from Sirius's upbringing and where the ancient and most noble house of Black is located that they're loaded. Yeah, and because I was just thinking, like, wouldn't he have been written out of the will? But I guess if his mom died thinking that he had actually, like, come back to their side, then he he would have been written back into the will so yeah especially with regulus having right died pretty quickly listeners we that was just the biggest technology curse we have suffered in in quite some time and it is now days later so uh (laughs) Bear with us as we stumble through figuring out getting back in the swing of recording. And, you know, thanks for your patience. Yeah, like, whole last pandemic happened. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, no, no laughing matter, but at this point, it's like, if I'm not laughing, I'm an anxious, one of those, like, shivery freaked out rabbits jesse (laughs) (laughs) all right well who knows who knows where we were the i wasn't able to figure it out yeah that's all right uh i'm gonna i'm gonna continue with our downer conversation about just how much someone needs to give hermione a big ass chocolate bar in this fucking chapter okay she's just like if if harry is like reminds him of lupin he was literally having a like i'm assuming very painful physical transformation to like a teenage girl under the weight of her like uh class load that's like is it, all the professors just looking at her mighty and being like this is fine i don't know isn't that just the question a because they're doing a terrible job the administration is doing a terrible job yeah, I only hope that, like, Ginny is bullying Fred and George to buy some chocolate for her to pass on to Hermione. Because no one the fuck else is. No. Ugh. Yeah. I have a lot to say about Hermione in this chapter. We'll, we'll get to that. We I also have will. a lot to say. <laughs> Rants. Rants are coming. But not yet. Yeah. Okay, so my next one also is about Hermione. Broadly. Her Muggle Studies essay that she's writing is Explain Why Muggles Need Electricity. <laughs> How does one write an entire essay on this subject? It's like, I can see a paragraph, perhaps, but like, it's a pretty straightforward matter. So, yes. I agree that it's a very straightforward matter. I guess if I had to guess, I wonder if maybe the Muggle Studies teacher, if it's still Charity Burbage or whoever, yeah, is maybe making that it's like, all right, so Muggles need electricity so they can see at night and heat their food and then give me examples of what what that means or something you know or like cite your other cite some examples or blah blah 
like list all of the things that they do with electricity that we do with magic. Yeah, or like explain, you know. I mean, because I mean, obviously Hermione, it's like, right, she could have written that in her sleep, which she might be doing because I'm sure she's not getting any sleep. Um, I feel like she's not. I mean, I feel like she is probably putting a fuckload of effort into writing this essay because it's really important to her that witches understand why muggles use electricity. So she's probably doing just like 10 times more work than she needs to be doing for what's like definitely a blow off class. Yeah. But yeah, I, I just was like, wow, that's gotta be like an incredibly, you know, essays where it's like, they tell you to write an essay, but there just like, isn't enough substance to the material to write an essay. And so it's really just like, five paragraphs of you saying the same thing but in different ways i feel like that's what kind of essay this is i i feel like those kind of essays which i feel like even in college i was still doing somehow always frustrated me because i didn't ever learn how to bullshit through a paper which maybe is somehow related to like my mom never helping me with my homework i don't know i don't know i don't know how to do that shit so i'd always be like all right i'm done now what but i'm still three pages short because i don't know how to bullshit or or pat it and so that kind of shit frustrates me because i'm just like how does everyone know how to do this but me somehow (laughs) i think it's something that i i think is really hard i think it's a part of like adhd because it's like it's pointless and so it's a physically difficult task and maybe like another paragraph where i'm restating the thing that i said in the previous paragraph and just like using words pointlessly Mm -hmm. (laughs) given that muggles have difficulty with (laughs) things like all of the things that i mentioned in the paragraph above they rely on electricity (laughs) for those things that i mentioned in the paragraph above because (laughs) that's how you do it by the way oh my god but like I don't know why it makes me cringe, but I'm just like, what? It's just like, what is the point? Yeah, I just, I'm, my brain is just like, this is dumb. You're not going to do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yep. Uh, good times. Uh, Hopefully I just helped some high schooler with their homework. You're welcome. I hope so, actually. Or some college student with their 10-page essay. Yes. Just keep keep repeating yourself mm-hmm. with swapping out different words. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Go to a thesaurus if you need to. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. So what do you have next? Um, I just, I just LOL'd so hard when Harry was like, oh man, I love butterbeer. And Lupin is like instantly suspicious. And Harry's like, I mean, my friends brought me some. And it's like, could you have been any more of a terrible liar to a dude who like, was a marauder and spent seven years at Hogwarts deceiving everyone around him. Like my dude, no one was going to buy that anyway. Lupin totally didn't buy that. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, it's just so funny to me. It'd be like, Harry, you have no idea. He's who incredibly you're to. lucky that Lupin does have that history. And so is like, I don't want to know, <laughs> you know, he's like, Kids get up to whatever kids get up to. I'm not going to ask any questions. Yeah. I'm sure he probably told himself that with uh, Sirius and James 
multiple times. Like, I don't, I don't need to know what's going on. Yeah, definitely. Plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, my next front page says Ron and Scabbers, which I'm sure made a lot of sense when I wrote these <laughs> notes right after reading the chapter. And now I don't know what it's about. <laughs> so he is, I don't know. It is very tender how ride or die he is for Scabbers, even though his emotional outburst at Hermione is, was much. It's a bit much, but I mean, it is also his beloved pet. So, okay, it must be a ten something tender. That's my guess, because otherwise, why would it be in the front page? So this is the chapter where Scabbers disappears at the end. Yes. Yeah. Great. Okay, so. Yeah, my guess is that it's me having tender feelings, my only tender feelings towards Ron, because he's very tender. Uh, not e- not the part where he yells at Hermione, but the part where he is going up to give Scabbers his rat tonic. Which he's, poly- which he's been doing diligently this entire school year. Yeah, so that gives me squishy feelings, moral of the story. And Aww. that's the end of my front page. Uh, I just have one more thing, okay. which is in a chapter full of people who are way too into sports doing annoying things, McGonagall is the only sports fan that I care about in these entire books. Mm-hmm. I think maybe Victor Crumb is maybe a, a close second, but as someone, I mean, super into Quidditch, I think so. But McGonagall is like, checked it to make sure, make sure you beat Slytherin. <laughs> for me (laughs) yeah yeah she's really funny (laughs) she just really wants an excuse to glow to snape yes yeah i you know as much as i have no good feelings towards snape i do really love the the picture that we get of what mcgonagall and snape's relationship is like through these like quidditch slash like house cup you know retellings of interactions that we get from McGonagall because it's like very consistent throughout the books where it's like they have this very friendly antagonism kind of relationship that's like very cute I like it a lot yeah I think I feel like I've like really always appreciated that because yeah it just seems like on one hand your life that's not a thing that you would expect Snape to do but it also I think makes sense to his character where he just probably really only wants to hang out with adults and not at all children so of course you have kind of like maybe like a joking antagonistic like sardonic relationship with mcgonagall who is an adult right and not like a child which he hates great quality in a teacher (laughs) another reason why he should have never been allowed to teach yep Welcome to the education section, where we talk about this goddamn school. (laughs) Jesse, what you got? Why is the history of magic classroom so large? Like, this is a class that has zero practical lessons. And there's no reason for it to be, like, the largest used classroom of, like... Like, I just, I don't understand why. Hmm. Maybe when there was a better history of magic teacher... (laughs) The teacher would, like, summon up reenactments of the things that they were teaching for the kids to watch. Which, now that I've imagined, it's, like, even more of a 
fucking crime that Professor Binns is the history of magic teacher because what a great way to learn history as like basically watching the history channel but like with a professor there to like help you understand it right sorry i just it didn't occur to me all the possibilities of the things like you could be doing in magical history when you have talking portraits and people who lived to be 150 years old yep like you you could just swap out the hogwarts headmaster portraits and be like so you lived during this time do you want to tell us about the thing oh yeah i guess lectures uh, they could have had it all they, they really <laughs> God, it would have been so much better oh would have been so cool History but that would have required so interesting in the hands of a good teacher yeah and history is so useful in putting your present day things into context which is sort of why it's a shame that harry doesn't end up learning more history except very piecemeal across seven books because i'm like you need so much context about what the fuck is happening in your life my dude yeah definitely (laughs) and like you know magical bigotry so yeah yeah and he never even gets taught about like grindelwald right in history class like they just learned about fucking goblins like Bins has some sort of like anti goblin bias and so he's just like set on imparting that to his students it seems like because otherwise like why is that what he's teaching maybe it's the opposite and he's like the dude here it's like listen i did like a fucking internship and i went to school for like eight years to learn about fucking goblin wars so y'all are gonna learn about goblin wars <laughs> Uh, maybe. But then even, it's really annoying because it just seems like the whole point of even learning about Goblin Wars is that wizards treat non-magical people like shit and the goblins weren't about to do that and they went to, they went through several wars with them. So even then it's like still such an ineffective class of like, because that's a pretty important lesson that should be being taught is stop treating non-magical people like shit. Right. I mean, not non-magical, sorry, non-witch Non-human people. people. Non-human people magical like... people. <laughs> yes. Do we need like an acronym? <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> that is a N-M... N-H-M-P. That is yeah, not an easy... No. No. Someone come up with a a silly shortening for us. Stop treating non-human people like shit. Is like the biggest lesson that all these kids should be learning in Hogwarts. Yeah, that like none of them learn, but but Hermione and like Harry and Ron. But even even when we start interacting with Grip Hook, it seems like they haven't learned even Hermione in all of these classes about things like Goblin systems of ownership. Like they're learning that for the first time from Bill. So like, what the fuck were they learning in History of Magic? They were just, like, memorizing names. I don't even know. They were learning nothing, moral of the story. Probably, like, names and dates and battles and generals and, like, the way that people are, like, really into, like, Civil War reenactments. Like, no, like, dates and locations and general, you know, Harvard E. Lee marched with 20,000 Confederate soldiers to blah blah and they had a battle at blah blah You know, yeah. like, shit like that, which is, like completely an uninteresting way to learn history or to absorb like 
Where they're learning the what instead of the why. Yes, thank you. Which is, like, not helpful. Yeah, the why is, like, the only, not the only important part, but, like, the biggest part of learning history is, like, why did this happen then? How does it affect us now? How do we learn from all of this shit that we've literally already gone through? Yeah. (laughs) So, uh... Pandemic side note: I've been re- I've been seeing more things about the Spanish flu epidemic than I've ever seen on the internet. Besides, like I don't know, public health nerds, <laughs> just like oh, now we're gonna learn about this stuff, you guys. Yeah. Okay. It's an interesting time to be. Actually, alive. no, that's a lie. I think people who like Twilight, I think that comes up in Twilight. I wouldn't know. Like one of the vampires either dies or gets sick during one of those anyway sorry i did i did read twilight a million years ago because everyone was reading it and i hate not knowing a a pop culture reference and i regret that time (laughs) yeah fair fair but reading everyone's horrific breakdown about how ridiculous and like weirdly conservative mormon those book series are is very entertaining yeah totally sorry you you're gonna say something oh no i wasn't yeah okay any more on that that's it all right so my only education point my my very first criticism of lupin okay harry is a way better teacher of the patronus charm than lupin this is a bizarre tactic that lupin is taking it maybe makes sense reading it like when this is your first exposure, but reading it with the context of how Harry teaches his peers to do the Patronus charm, it's like Lupin's like, cool, you got like a little bit of silver stuff to shoot out of your wand one time. Let's do it with a Dementor (laughs) instead of like encouragement and like, you're doing a great job and like, let's work on it until it's corporeal before we put you in front of a Dementor. Like get you to the point where you can consistently create a fully formed Patronus should definitely be step one before a Dementor, whether it's real or Bogart, enters the idea at all. That is such a good point. And I think think this is part of the reason why I love book five so much, because Harry is such a good teacher to like the DA and in reality he should have not gone on to be a wizard cop but should have just went back to fucking teach defense against the dark arts he would have loved it he would have been so good the kids would have loved him he would have been like I'm still at Hogwarts this is cool I you know he doesn't need any more PTSD being on the front lines of like catching assholes who are trying to kill people with dark magic like He's done enough in his life. Absolutely. He deserves a like desk job where he can be like, we're gonna learn how to, how to you know, do the Patronus charm, and we're just gonna have magical Patronus creatures flying around. It's gonna be rad. Yeah, he's such a good <laughs> teacher. I agree with you. It's like one of the biggest crimes of the epilogue, which is mostly crimes, like almost entirely crimes. <laughs> but yeah, I'm 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 firmly on the. The epilogue didn't exist, Train. Yeah. Like, I'm like, the book ended with Harry and Ron and Hermione being like, we did the thing. Great job. Yeah, everyone. anybody out there who's, like, <laughs> working on a novel, if you're 
feeling the need to write an epilogue <laughs> don't no ne- never write an epilogue if you want that information you have to write a whole additional book yeah i'm trying to think if i've actually wrote a book that had a good epilogue because even the end of lord the end of return of the king that is an epilogue when they're like well we're going off to the fucking undying land spoiler alert for people who haven't seen or read lord of the rings <laughs> Yeah, we... Mm, wait, there's an epilogue? No, I, mean, I, don't, I don't think that is the epilogue. I'm just trying to think of a book that has an epilogue besides the ones that I hated, a.k.a. the the epilogue in book seven, an epilogue of Mockingjay. Yeah, which is so awful. Are there good epilogues? Write to us if there's a book that has a good epilogue, because I want to know. Because <laughs> I can't think of any right now. Me either. Yeah, I don't think I don't think the end of uh, Return of the King has an epilogue. No, I mean we get to see them all like back home and whatever, but I think that's just part of the book. Yeah, and then the end of compulsory heterosexuality of fucking Sam uh, Gamgee. Uh, yep, gonna marry this random chick. Wait, what? <laughs> to be fair, the seeds of him having a crush on Rosie were laid in the first book. That's true. But I'm with you. <laughs> I agree with you. I think Sam is bi. Uh, but obviously, I don't know. They should have been in a throuple with Frodo or something. I mean, for, I mean, if anyone needed to be in a throuple, it was Frodo, who clearly also has undiagnosed PTSD. Anyway, sorry. We're going to uh, leave our Lord of the Rings oh podcast behind. Can we behind. do an editor's cut about <laughs> epilogues of fantasy books? Yeah. I want to do that really okay. bad. Let's do that. That sounds really good. Cool. If anyone's wondering, what's an editor's cut? It's a thing that we do for Patreon, where when we go on tangents like this, we then make them into a full long tangent and release it for patrons to listen to. And they're really fun and great. Writing that down, but we should move on. Yes, we should move on. (laughs) Okay. Politics. Politics. Yep. Welcome to the politics section, where we talk about things that are fucked up, like Dementors' kisses. Yeah, that's like my second thing that I have, So, but I think probably the heaviest part, so we should talk about that. So there, there are lobotomies, right? Yeah. They leave you an empty shell of what you once were, but like you're still alive. Yeah, like, no memories, no magic, I'm assuming. And I had to research this, because I'm like, that seems fucked up, because the UK doesn't have the death penalty, but it was, like, abolished pretty, like, recently, like, only in the set, the 60s. Okay. So maybe there is a precedence for this, but this is still worse than the death penalty. It's so much worse than the death penalty. Like, if you're going to do something like this, just fucking kill people instead. Like, what is this? I guess part of it is that, like, no witches had to get their hands dirty. It's like, oh, well, the Dementors, like, took this person out, so I'm I'm good. We didn't do anything. Yeah, I guess. But no, this is literally horrific and even more of a human rights violation. <laughs> I feel like the fact that it is basically a lobotomy fits in very well with the sort of, like, era that the witching world is stuck in. Because, like, isn't that when lobotomies were all the rage was sort of 1800s 
I don't know. I guess I don't know how new lobotomies are. They were definitely, it was definitely like 1800s. They would do them in like the like surgery theaters where all the terrible, weird medical shit happened. Yeah. Hold on a second. I'm actually, I'm on Wikipedia right now. Okay. So the originator of the, of the lobotomy, oh God, he got a Nobel Prize in 1949 for it. Jesus, fuck. Oh, wow. Yeah. Jesus. What? So when did they originate? Yeah. So it looks like lobotomies were mostly a kind of like late 1800s, early 20th century invention. There were insane asylums in the Victorian age. I don't know if they were necessarily like digging into people's brains. I feel like my honestly so much of my information about lobotomies I'm pretty sure is based on that Jack the Ripper movie that Johnny Depp is in. What is that movie called? From Hell. Yes. The only horror movie that I'll watch on purpose. Oh, I've actually not seen that one. It's weird and good. Lots of lobotomies. Interesting. I'm actually... I think that maybe tracks. I feel like Jack the Ripper was, like, late 1800s as one of the first, like, true crime thing people were fucking obsessed with. Anyway. Anyway. So, whatever. Lobotomies are timely, given that we're stuck in, like, the late Victorian era, I think, is where we were with that. Yeah. Uh, and so it's super, super fucked up that they approved the use of this on Sirius. Especially because he was convicted without a trial. Yeah. And it's just, I feel like the one thing I do appreciate is even though at this point Harry has a deep hatred of Sirius, he's still very unnerved by the idea of him getting Demetrius kiss. He is. He does say that he thinks that Sirius deserves it. And I I really appreciate that Lupin pushed back on Harry about that, which I think is, like, really good. I feel like Lupin did it really well. Yeah. You know, not in a, like, no, Sirius doesn't, but, like, Harry, do you really think anyone deserves to have that happen to them? Like... Does even Voldemort deserve to have the fucking Dementor's kiss performed on him? And I think that the answer is no. Yeah, no. Yes, you are correct. Literally no one deserves that shit. And the fact that it's government sanction is fucking disgusting. It's so horrible. The government, like, the ministry shouldn't be partnering with Dementors. They should be trying to eradicate them. Mm Mm-hmm. And here's the even more fucked up question. Like, what do they do with your, like, basically in a coma body? Great question. I assume they just put them back in Azkaban body storage. I don't know. I don't know. Ugh, it's so awful. Right. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know how to. It's every, every, every that you could conceivably think of is equally horrifying, I feel like. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's my only politics this week. What's up with your politics section? Um, I just have a question which I feel like really this chapter answers, which is, so Lupin keeps telling Harry that, you know, 
his trouble with producing a Patronus is because he's a child and this is very advanced magic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that his difficulty is because of his intense trauma history. <laughs> Being like, you need a strong enough happy memory in order to sustain this incredibly mentally draining protective magic is hard as fuck for someone who's lived in an abusive household for 10 years of his life. Yep. I am performing emphatic now. <laughs> uh, and it's just, uh, I mean, I just didn't have, I didn't have a point, but I'm just, ugh, ugh, baby Harry, trying to do this thing that is hard when you have such a deep, and like a trauma history that's coming up with like the way that the Dementors affect him, and I don't know, it's just very, it's just very upsetting. Which, again, another reason that Lupin should not be trying to get him to perform this charm with a Dementor in the room. Yeah, even a fake one that's a Bogart that still has all of the effects of an actual Dementor. <laughs> Which is just way for health and science, because boy do I have some questions about that. And then it's just like, alright, well, here's a metric ton of chocolate, you'll be fine. And it's like, um, no, actually no. <laughs> yeah. I feel like Harry should be, like, eating the chocolate and then try and do the charm. Maybe that would help. Welcome to editorials, where we rant about stuff. Uh, my, actually, my first thing is just Harry and Ron this whole goddamn chapter. Because they act like such shits in this entire fucking chapter. Dude, it's holiday break. No one else is in the fucking castle she has no one to hang out with oh and they just stop speaking to her yeah well yeah they stop speaking to her during brave which is fucked up but yeah then everyone comes back and it's still oh yeah yeah but like i'm incredibly irate that like she stayed at school for harry and then He's, he stops talking to her when, like, there's literally not another fucking student in all of Gryffindor Tower for her to spend time with. It's so fucked. I hate it so much. Like, that is, uh... <laughs> okay, so my actual note is... They fucking abandoned her at Christmas while she had no one else after she stayed there to be with Harry. What fucking fuckers. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> sorry I didn't want you to fucking die, Harry. Mm, makes me so mad i know it's like it's just such trash and they just continue to treat her like trash this entire chapter Mm -hmm. and then harry can't even be like hey i'm sorry that i treated you like shit for like four weeks it's i'm so upset about the fact that she just like takes them back when they don't even apologize yeah i mean yes exactly that like if it was me and he walked up to me and was like i got it back i'd be like i would take it and break it over my knee (laughs) like fuck that guy (laughs) right yeah she should have just like (sighs) she should have used like the reducto curse and just like demolished it (laughs) (laughs) oh no it's like (laughs) sorry it's like (laughs) The witching version of that song where the woman, like, fucks up that dude's car with the, like, Louisville slugger and, like, keys his car and fucks up the leather that I 
that song that I love so much. The fuck? Who sings Wait, that song? song? You know, I'm torn my keys into the side of his pretty little suit up for a drive. You know what? Nope. Yeah. They're, they're such bad friends in this chapter. Oh, I wanted to ask you, do you think that if the broom had been cursed, would Harry have apologized to Hermione? Honestly, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Because if the broom was cursed, he definitely wouldn't have ever gotten it back. Right. And I think he would have just still been fucking pissed about it. Even though he could probably just have brought another one, honestly. Like, here are your fucking rich. <laughs> yeah, it really depends on how much they cost, but... <sighs> Yeah. And then Ron, of course, never apologizes. Even like ha- even in a half-assed way. No. I mean, I don't feel like Harry even half-assedly apologized. Well, I guess if we consider him acquiescing to the fact that it might have been cursed an apology, then he sort of apologizes. But yeah, no. Ron is the worst, so. People don't treat your friends like this. Yeah, never. <laughs> if your friends treat you like this, they are not actually your friends, and you should break their brooms and <laughs> leave. Um, don't actually destroy people's things. You can think about it, though. <laughs> yeah. uh, please do um, express very clearly why you can't be friends with them anymore, and then move on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> should write a breakup letter from Hermione to <laughs> Harry and Ron. Uh, I have found some new friends that are much better. Yeah. And, res- and respect my intellectual prowess. <laughs> how, how are words? What are they? <laughs> They're not. They <laughs> hang out with time in the land of things that are made up. Fair. Very fair. <laughs> anyway. Um, okay. So what's next in politics? Or ed, where are we? Editorials. Editorials. I feel like the rest of it is just a, more about me being very heartbroken about the bit where, like, Lupin just very curtly tells Harry that he knew both James and Sirius. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, there's so much behind just, like, his very short words on the subject, and it's so painful in retrospect. <laughs> Oh, yeah, especially the he thought he knew Sirius. Oh, my God. Oh, just sad crying face emojis all the fuck over. Yeah, it's real, real owie for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. I know. It's, yeah. It makes me so sad. I guess I didn't have a rant. Just, ugh. <laughs> no, I, th- I think that's like its own kind of rant. <sighs> um, I want to talk about actually like Harry's trauma. Oh, yeah. So I I think that there's this there's really important information, not like specifically about Harry, but like about how trauma works in general in this chapter where we get the part where Harry is struggling in part to perform this charm because part of him wants to hear his parents' voices, mm-hmm. even though he's hearing them die and it's horrible yeah because like he's literally never heard the voices of the only people who have ever loved him right and this is his first opportunity and i think 
that that's just like that's such a nuanced piece of how trauma can work sometimes where it's not always cut and dry like this is a bad thing that you want to heal from and move past because there can be pieces of it that are like emotionally rooted to things that are serving you or that like make you feel safe or protected right and we're like afraid of moving past that because then we like don't know how to be in the world and I think that Harry is sort of showing us what that can look like here I guess that is like such a great take on what is happening in this chapter and yeah I don't know I don't have anything else to say besides (laughs) yes emphatically yes yeah yeah and then it's like all right we're done here's some chocolate see ya and it's like what right it's oh god and as great as Lupin is, I feel like he is so triggered by Harry's triggers that he's actually unable to show up for him the way that he needs to show up for him. He's too close. He's too close to it all. Right, because like, how can he comfort Harry when he also is like in distress? Right. And yeah. And he like can't even tell, and he can't even tell Harry why. Right. Yeah. Yep. So, I don't know. We need therapy in this world. And ideally, it needs to be better better trauma therapy. Yeah, better trauma therapy than exposing yourself to a fake dementor over and over again once a week. And then eating some chocolate. I had a lot of feelings for Harry in this chapter. It's the moral of the story. Yeah. Yeah, this is a painful chapter for very for many reasons. Yeah, totally. <laughs> I'm sorry, is that Rufio in the background? Snoring? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I like how I'm at a point where I can like recognize the sound of him snoring. <laughs> yeah. Oh, such a such a gentle piglet he is. Yeah, he is. He gets to come hiking with me for my birthday tomorrow and he's very excited. <laughs> Welcome to Advertisements, where we ask you for money and then make you laugh. <clears throat> Do you love the Gaily Prophet? Do you get a thrill from supporting queer creators? Did you know that you can both support queer creators and get even more Gaily Prophet goodness at the same time by joining our Patreon? It's true. We offer really cool stuff on our Patreon like fanfic, bonus clips, video episodes, virtual hangouts with the hosts, and more. Check it out at patreon.com slash thegailyprophet. There are other ways of supporting us. You can tell everyone you know to listen to our podcast, which is incredibly helpful. You can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or anywhere else that you're listening to a podcast. Those reviews help randos find us, which is always important. You can follow and engage with us on social media. We are on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at thegailyprophet. And you could also buy our incredible merch at thegillyprofit.com. Next up. <clears throat> Do Dementors leave you feeling drained and despondent? Are you considering moving to a muggle village just to get away from all those terrible nightmare creatures? We all are. Luckily, there's a solution right here in Hogsmeade. 
Honeyduke's Best Chocolate is the ideal cure for that post-dementor hangover, and we are now offering 24-7 owl delivery for when you need a boost after curfew. We may be under military lockdown, but thanks to Honeyduke's Best Chocolate, we don't have to be sad about it. Honeyduke's Best Chocolate. There's a smile in every bar and nowhere else. <laughs> wow, that is like uncomfortably relevant to us. <laughs> Not topical when I wrote it for the record. Oh wow, yeah, totally, re- totally relating to how all the people in Hogsmeade are feeling right, right the fuck now. Yeah, totally. As I was reading it, I was like, "Oh, this is weirdly heavy." <laughs> it didn't start life that way, you guys. I'm sorry. Oh God. Health and, uh, health and science? Yes, health and science. Let's go. Welcome to the health and science section, where we talk about things that are loosely related to health and or science. I am very curious about how either LSD or mushrooms would affect your ability to, to produce a Patronus. Mushrooms would make it so easy. <laughs> It would just be Patronuses everywhere, and then you're like, really Your house it? would be full of them. <laughs> and then you would be so happy, and they would be, they'd be making baby Patronuses. Like, everyone oh would just be like, the world is perfect. Uh, <laughs> speaking of therapy techniques, y'all, do mushrooms. Read about it. It's actually an effective trauma technique. Mushrooms are the best. I anyway. know. <laughs> Okay, so maybe it goes without saying that the Patronus charm is, like, the coolest shit. And what I was really thinking about is that it's, like, kind of the first spell we see that's, like, actually hard work to it. Like, it's actual, like, it seems like actual work to do. Because I feel like, in general, it's really hard to get a sense of, like, difficulty in magic, you know? Mm-hmm. It just seems to be, like, some people can just do it, some people can't. And I'm, like, I don't understand, like how you improve at being able to do a spell. And I think this is maybe the first time we see, and I mean, granted, of course, Harry's having a hard time because of aforementioned trauma response. Mm -hmm. But it's just kind of cool to see that, like, this is something that requires not just your magical ability, but, like, actually, like, basically, like, mental fortitude, kind of. Yeah. Slash physical endurance. It seems just, like, very much, like, not just wand waving, which is what a lot of the magic feels like. Right. Yes, I I agree. We get a little bit more detail in this about what it means to to need to practice a spell or to like understand the theory of a spell. Although god, I would love to have more of the theory because I feel like all we get is like it's an incantation that you say while thinking of a happy thought. Yeah. But I feel like there's probably, like, more to it than that. Yeah, like, it seems like it's a thing that you could kind of... I mean, it depends on the person, but it seems like there's a... It seems like a thing that if you were actually using, like, education theory to be able to teach consistently, you know? Mm-hmm. I think I would have just liked more education in this educational part, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Totally. I also want to say that the other really cool thing about the Patronus Charm, which 
is why it's so appealing is that it's also the first spell that we see that's like the result of the spell is very specific to the caster it's very individual oh yeah and it got me thinking that shouldn't a lot of the spells sort of be like that and and i was thinking about this because you know everyone says words differently everyone moves their their body differently everyone we know already has individual wands you know Mm -hmm. and obviously this is something that maybe wouldn't come across wouldn't come across as well in the books but like in the movies it would have been cool if like when people when two people are doing the exact same spell if it was just like slightly different because people are different you know like everyone's handwriting looks different even though we're all trying to spell like draw out the exact same like alphabet you know mm-hmm. interesting that would have been cool to to see that like yeah it just seems like there should have been more magic done that would is more like you know personal yeah or more of this here is the theory but everyone sort of cast it differently yeah like in how in carry on they talk about how like different people's magic like feels and like smells and tastes different yeah when they cast it on you yeah interesting yeah feel okay so i'm thinking about this now in the in the context of like other books where magic is talked about more interestingly like carry on and also the magicians where so in the magicians magic is more like math and so i wonder if we think about it in harry potter as being most magic is more like math where you know there might be a couple different ways that you can like apply the formula but like you're everyone's basically doing the same thing and you're always going to get to the same answer then like the spells that are done that way would always have the same outcome but then some spells are more like writing or like more express expressive and so they would be more like personal yeah i don't know if that makes sense no it does um speaking of the way that magic happens in the magicians i was uh probably reading an interview with the author where he talked about sort of part of the inspiration about the kind of finger work and the difficultness of the of the magic in the magicians where he was basically inspired by um the way that you learn a musical instrument where it's like you have to play beethoven's fifth symphony over and over again if you want to get good at producing that music or if you know sheer repetitiveness until your body knows how to do the thing with the instrument in order to create the music and that was sort of his inspiration Mm -hmm. and i just kind of keep thinking about that as something that something i would have loved to have seen in this series (laughs) it's just like something that's like rooted in the real way people, you know, learn stuff. Yeah, agreed. Though, of course, I recommend people watch the show before they read the books personally. So, anyway. Yeah, the books, we've already talked about. <laughs> the books are, are good. They're well-written. They have a lot of issues. The show also has some issues, but much less indifferent. And is I, I agree with you. I think that the show is probably better. 
it's more fun and it's more diverse and I like the directions that they go with it and uh more I would th- I would say more more respective of the traumas that the characters go through. Yeah, I just wish that they didn't feel the need to like show those traumas so explicitly. <sighs> yeah, that's how I feel about a lot of media where it's like yeah, don't don't really i don't really need to see an extended slash graphic rape scene i really do not i do not like never i never want to watch another one for the rest of my life yeah. like we don't we don't need that nope like, sure stop. don't nope it's fucking 2020 yeah anyway which is which is why i broke up with philip pullman probably why i haven't finished the his dark material series because i don't want to give him my money anymore but Anyway, another rant for another time. Don't read the new His Dark Materials books if you don't want to read gratuitous rape scenes. Wait, which wait, which book does that happen in? Must be the one I didn't read. Both the Book of Dust and the newer one, the Magisterium or whatever it's called. Yeah, probably not, probably just not gonna read those then. Cool. Yep. Good, don't. good to know. <laughs> I I returned the second one. Like, I bought it and was like, oh, again? Okay, you can have this back. I hate you. Like, get over yourself. Anyway, anyway, Bogarts. Yes? Can we talk about Bogarts? Yes. Uh, I have I have a lighter note about Bogart. Great. Let's do that first. <laughs> Which is, I just want you to imagine Lupin possibly literally crawling around the castle looking for a Bogart. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, to trap it's just a very endearing montage in my brain of him like opening like wardrobes and desk drawers and like crawling under like desks and just looking just looking for this bogart imagine all the stuff that he probably found in like a magical fucking castle i bet he found so much weird shit yeah no he totally did I don't know what kind of weird shit, but I'm envisioning a lot of weird shit. Weird things that students had, like, stashed. Like, transfiguration experiments gone wrong and, like, walked in on kids having orgies and, you know, like, cursed journals left and right. Like, all sorts of stuff, I'm sure. (laughs) So many... I'm just imagining just so many, like, wooden weed pipes just stuck to the bottom of places with a sticking charm. Absolutely. See, so many things. <laughs> so I'm much. Sure he felt so nostalgic. Yeah, so much like twenty-year-old weed and like pipes. I'm sure he found maybe his own stash somewhere. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um... It just like crumbles into dust. <laughs> Forty years old or whatever. Yes. <laughs> okay, but okay, so. Bogarts, they apparently really, truly, actually turn into the thing that they turn into. Mm-hmm. It becomes an actual Dementor. I mean, the, if this is the case, this answers the question that we posed before, which is like, why are we, why are we killing them? Like, can they really hurt you besides just scaring you? Like, if that's if Ron's giant spider was an actual acromantula that would actually have killed and eaten him, you gotta kill the fuck out of Bogarts. Yeah. That's very dangerous. Fuck, yeah, you're right. 
Which actually leads to my next point, which I'm like, Lupin's like, oh, there's like a drawer under my desk. I can keep this bog art in. And I'm like, is that safe? No, it is not. Appar- apparently not. No. Well, I mean, if his bog art really just becomes the moon, but if it becomes an actual full moon that can actually turn him into a werewolf, then his fear of it being a full moon is valid. Yeah. No, that is true. It would just turn him into a werewolf then, wouldn't it? I guess. I mean, uh, uh, I, this seems very inconsistent with our previous chapter uh, about Bogarts. It also is inconsistent with when Harry meets the Bogart in the maze in the next book because his Patronus doesn't work against it like it does in this scene. It doesn't work in the maze and the, the Bogart trips and he's like, oh, you're not a Dementor, you're a Bogart. So I think it's a correction. But if we roll with the idea that we get of Bogarts in this chapter, it was incredibly dangerous for Lupin to have these kids facing off with this Bogart and for him to take the risk of letting it turn into his Bogart, where he could have started transforming into a werewolf in front of the children before he had a chance to get rid of it. Yeah. I do think this, I do think this, these inconsistencies are just, jkr not being consistent at all yeah i know it's a correction but it is it is a correction funner to talk about it like it's not i think for a second at least yeah because because now thinking about what if it's what if it's kind of like so for going along the line that the bogart is sort of like a cuttlefish it's like an actual animal apex predators get better with age like baby lions aren't so good at hunting as you know but like older established you know, lionesses are really good at hunting. So maybe it's like if you have a baby bogart or like a teenage adolescent bogart, it's mm. gonna trip over its ro- it's gonna trip over the robes. But if you have like a full grown bogart, it's gonna try to suck your soul out if your fear is dementors or mm. something. Oh yeah, interesting. I mean, again, I don't know how you would tell those things. Just like how Lupin keeps calling the bogart him, and I'm like, how how do, what? How would you know? <laughs> Are you just That's, guessing? I'm gu- I I think that Bogarts probably reproduce hermaphroditically. Yeah. Are they but, like spawn or something? I don't know. Yeah. I guess if we're like sort of rolling with corrections about Bogarts also. So Lupin ridiculouses the Bogart, but it do- it's not dead, apparently. But it poofs, but he's going to keep it in his desk to use again. So then what does Ridiculous do? And also, he just said Ridiculous, but, like, it didn't get funny and no one laughed at it and it still went poof. Hmm. So, like, how does that spell actually, like, that spell doesn't work the way that he said that (laughs) it worked, apparently. (laughs) I think that's a correction that I cannot, I don't even have a counter argument to what it could be with that. No, I don't know why I didn't. I guess just because I wanted to just talk about it in one place, which maybe all could have been corrections, apparently, mm-hmm. but... Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's pretty... It's pretty interesting. Yeah. I think the other the other alternative to it actually becoming a Dementor is that Harry's traumatic experience with Dementors is enough that he's, like, hallucinating the reaction hmm. 
which is a stretch. I mean, that could be it. I mean, I definitely could envision where the Bogart can only, like, mimic so much of what a Dementor does, and then Harry's mind just fills in the rest. Or, like, some kind of weird magic is happening where his mind fills in the rest. Hmm. But I don't know. Yeah. Welcome to the sports section, where we reluctantly talk about Quidditch. Have I mentioned recently how much I fucking hate Quidditch? (laughs) (laughs) Not super recently, no. This chapter and all of the boys' reaction to the fucking broom and the Quidditch, I'm just like, fuck all of that shit. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it is really funny. I do think it's just the boys. I think given, like, UK football culture, I'm guessing it's the whole... The whole Gryffindor common room. Oh yeah, I think, I think probably two thirds of the schools obsessed with Quidditch, and we already talked about how McGonagall's in it very deeply. But, and I mean, Harry's definitely, you know, obsessed with Quidditch in this chapter. I think to not think about his trauma that's being exposed all the time. Yeah. Um, but like, Ron and like Wood are just like being just such assholes over the broom. I'm just <sighs> like fucking yes. fucking sports, fucking yep. sports. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note, thank you for listening to The Gaily Prophet, where we hate sports. (laughs) (laughs) You can find us on the internet at thegailyprophet.com, on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at thegailyprophet, and on Tumblr at thegailyprophetpodcast.tumblr.com. You can support us in a multitude of ways. You can review us wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, you could tell all of your friends while they are at home, socially isolating, to <laughs> listen to our podcast. That would be real rad. You could also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Prophet. If you want to hear more of our fan fiction and a variety of other lovely Patreon perks. Yep. You can find me personally on the internet on instagram at lark malachi or at radical healer and you can find me on my website which is larkmalachi.com um you can find me on instagram at live from detroit or on twitter at jesse underscore detroit our show art and weekly comics are by theo julian forrester the music in this episode was by kevin mcleod Our spoiler warning is by Sarah Sarwar. And until next time. Orthiopraxy. Serotonergic. Circumstantial evidence. Lobotomy. Will you please offer the definitions of your first two words? I sure will. Uh, Orthiopraxy is rightness of action. And serotonergic pertains to serotonin. Which... Is very relevant to this year. Chapter. Yeah. <laughs> so here, here, here are some of your uh, college vocabulary words of the day, y'all. We're here for all the high schoolers this week, and I guess people who play crosswords, I suppose. So yes. <laughs> yes. So here's some SAT prep, some <laughs> advice on how to bullshit an essay, and encouragement to do drugs. <laughs> Ha 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 ha!